Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by our good friends at Indeed, Bet Online, and Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother, who's back in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, the people want to know, did the overhead on your Thanksgiving bet? Uh, I, I forgot what you were talking about for a second. Um, I guess it didn't. Um, you know, disappointing, I know, for many, but as our producer Alex pointed out, the Sharps were moving on the under. You know, 15 minutes, 15 minutes is a long time to be in the bathroom. I think people don't realize that. It's a flashy number um, yep. to the under cashed for those who bet it. Especially with family over, people start getting concerned, asking questions if you're gone for too long. Um, yeah, so a, lot, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of gossip girls, including yourself, around that one. Yeah. Yeah, good good job by anyone who uh, who hammered the under. But enough bathroom talk. We had another. I mean, the slate didn't look great. I would say coming into today, but having football on Thursday, we kind of got shafted of what could have been an incredible football day with three games and kind of recap by the Steelers Ravens at night. Obviously, we've got a pretty wild COVID situation going on with the Ravens, but we did have two games. And you know what, Tyler Alex Smith. He might, he might be, he's going to be in a playoff race. Yeah, I mean, the NFC least. Uh, so right now, they're tied for first with the Giants. The Eagles still have to play tomorrow, but if the Eagles lose that game, then it's between the Giants and Washington. So I hope, I hope Alex Smith could get in uh, with Washington. Um, but going back to the first 
Thanksgiving game. That's kind of what my Sunday scariest moments related nice. to. Good, good segue. Mm-hmm. Thursday scariest moment. I guess actually Saturday scariest moment uh, for Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn, the GM of the Lions head coach. Uh, they got fired yesterday. Kind of what I said on the Pick'em Pod where I thought if they lost this game, probably be Patricia's last game with Detroit. That's what ended up happening. I mean, they got blown out on Thanksgiving. They lost 41-25, to 25, and you could tell team really just didn't have a lot of fight for them. They were very sloppy in that game, had a, a bunch of turnovers early that kind of cost them. Um, so it's my Sunday scariest moment. Matt Patricia lost his job. I don't see him getting an, any other head coaching jobs in his career, I think. Honestly, I think he might end up back with the Patriots or wherever Belichick is and coach with him. So that's that's my uh, Sunday scariest moment. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it was, it was a long time coming. The Lions did get off to a good start in this game. They scored a touchdown. They went up 7 nothing, and then uh, Stafford threw that bad interception. Watt made a good play on it, but, I mean, it should have been out of the reach of J.J. Watt. He quickly made it 7-7, and then I believe they had another fumble. This Lions team is just a train wreck. I think they turned the ball over on, like, I forget the exact set. I think it was, like, three out of eight offensive plays. The game just flipped from there. Um, this game was actually fairly entertaining in the first half. I mean, it was 23-14 at the half. A lot of points, very sloppy, but back and forth, and then kind of got out of hand in the second half. Um, but I agree. I think Patricia's probably done as a head coach. And just, like, you kind of look at this grouping of Stafford and Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan, I mean, right, we know they're up 23 in the Super Bowl, but him and, him and Stafford are just these guys that in my head are – forever kind of debated like at a bar between friends like how good are they where do they fall within the top 10 are they 10 to 15 like well should I start them should I sit them in fantasy like the definition of above average yeah they always leave you wanting more I mean Matt Ryan had the MVP year um and he's been a little better than Stafford in his career but it's still the same kind of line of quarterbacks where like each week you don't know what you're getting with the guy and they put up like decent numbers and these are Matt Ryan and Stafford are two guys whose career numbers are going to look great. They're going to be top 15, arguably top 10 passing yards in a lot of these passing stats, but can't really compare to guys like Montana, um, Dan Marino. I mean, Marino has great stats, but just like these older generation quarterbacks whose stats aren't as good just because it's such a completely different game. But like Matt Stafford is going to end up with a very good resume comparatively to some of these other guys. Um, but he always wants you leaving more. What has he been in the league? Ten years now, and mm-hmm. he's never won a playoff game. I heard the a stat: the Lions have won one playoff game since 1958. Like that is an incredibly terrible Brutal. stat to have Brutal. as a franchise. Not talked about enough, honestly. Um, so they continue to be a terrible franchise. I didn't think Jim Caldwell was a great coach, but when you look at what success he had with that team, you know, getting yeah, they won the division, um, getting to playoffs a couple of years, winning record. You fire him, which I didn't think was terrible at the time, but you go to Patricia and you have this awful run with him. Like A lot of questions need to be answered. I don't know who even wants to take that job. It's such a bad team. Is Jim Caldwell still coaching? I have no idea. I feel, like I feel like he's not because his face is just very memorable and all over Twitter, just people being like dead or alive, Jim Caldwell at, an, at, at, at any given time. Um but, yeah, my Sunday scariest moment, um, I'm going to a game that just finished, Chiefs-Bucks. The Bucks stormed back for backdoor cover, which was nice for me. We're on opposite sides of that, three and a half, but it's not related to that. It's just watching that game, and I'll admit, I kind of had split screen going on, and 
the first half, Mahomes just went off. Just Sunday's scariest moment is everyone else in the NFL who doesn't have Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback uh, for the next decade. Realistically, he's uh, he's an offsides call um, in that AFC Championship game, like, away from probably having two Super Bowls to start his career. Um, he again today, 37 to 49, 462 yards passing, three touchdowns. He rushed for another 28 yards, which I feel like is a very underrated part of his game. Tyreek Hill went off. He had 269 yards, three touchdowns. Thoughts and prayers to anyone going against him in fantasy football this week. Um, but the East, Mahomes is just on another level. He's clearly the leader in the clubhouse to win um, the MVP again. Um, and it's just it's time after time. This guy makes plays look so easy. I think the craziest part is like there's a third and seven play, I think, where the rush was coming directly at him and his ability to backpedal and still have enough balance and arm strength to throw it 15, 20 yards downfield. Um, so like thoughts and prayers to the rest of us because him with Andy Reid and those weapons, it's, it's a scary uh, sight to be seen. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even feel like they were trying in the second half. Having the Chiefs minus three and a half, they were covering basically that entire game, and then, you know, Brady makes a little run at the end, and they just need one drive to put away the Chiefs. It just it didn't even feel like they were trying. You know, they got up uh, 27-10 in the second half. They're up 17, and it felt like they kind of coasted, and then at the end of the game when they needed a drive to put away, they're like, okay, let's just do it. It's so effortless with them, and you mentioned that backpedaling play. That was incredible. Like, i I never seen a quarterback do that so easily. No. Um, Reminds me of uh, when we were camp counselors and would play quarterback like with our ten year old uh, campers and be able to run away light from it up, light it up, look so easy. It's like he's doing this in the NFL. It's insane. I had the same thought watching the game today. Like it's just so easy. Um, you know, Tyree Kill, like you said, two hundred sixty nine yards. He had two hundred yards in the first quarter. Um, it, it was just so easy for them. The touchdown he threw to Hill to start second half was an insane throw like it was pretty good coverage and he just puts it right in there so I agree with you it seems like the Chiefs barring something crazy happening are set up to be a contender like every year for the next 10 years I mean Mahomes is insane and he's still so young in his career really yeah he's he's 25 years old you're less than uh, three three months older than him Tyler what could have been, but I'm looking at his stats on the season. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, only two interceptions. And and in a weird way, like, we're kind of just taking it for granted. Like, this is the expectation week in, week out with him. Um, the Bucks in this one, I'm but this the final score is very deceiving here. It, before they signed off, Romo was like, I won't be surprised, Jim, if we see this as a rematch. And I do have a future on that, but I'm not feeling good about that. The Chiefs, or the Bucks defense continues to be ranked really high in DVOA. I'll give you credit on this, but they don't have enough to like kind of contain. And I agree, the Chiefs kind of coasted in the second half here, and that's why this score is what it is. But... Um, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see it with Bucks. Brady's final stats look pretty good. He finished it on, poured it on at the end in kind of garbage time to bring them back. He was twenty-seven to forty-one, three forty-five, three passing touchdowns, two interceptions. But I just feel like we still don't see it with this team. And they're seven and five. They're one of those teams bunched in the wild card race in the NFC. But I don't know. They their defense has to be better if they're going to be taken seriously. I think, especially once it starts getting colder out. Yeah, and I mean, one more point on the Chiefs. 
that I forgot. Tyreek Hill did a backflip going into the end zone today. That is the most disres- one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen on a field, but it doesn't matter. They're that good. It just shows like how not above people they think they are, but just how easily it comes to them. There was a play in this game where Mahomes threw a pass to Kelsey, I think it was towards the end of the first half, and Kelsey's running with the ball in one hand, and the receiver on the Chiefs runs underneath him, and he like is like about to pitch it to him like they're playing in the schoolyard. It, like, it feels like it's that easy for them right now, um, but I agree with you on the Bucks. Like I'm not impressed with them. And, I mean, you look at their losses. They, Other than the Packers game, they've kind of lost to all the really good teams they've played so far. They lost both games to the Saints. They lost to the Bears. Lost to the Rams. They lost to the Bears when the Bears were playing well. Lost to the Rams, the Chiefs today. Um, they just, I don't know, they don't have it together. And Brady, you know, he's old. And it's not like his interceptions are like, oh, he's throwing it short of guys. It's like someone's running open and he's throwing it sh- shorter behind them, which he does on some throws. Like, his interceptions are just such bad decisions, which you don't see from him. And I don't think that's a effect of him getting old. Like, he's just making really bad decisions. They um, were driving in the second half down 27-10, to 10, like, trying to get back into the game. And they moved the ball in the second half. Again, I don't know if – I feel like that was more the Chiefs not trying. But still, they were they were moving the ball a bit. 27-10, they had a big play. And then a, after a big play – he throws a ball down the sideline, like a jump ball to Scotty Miller, and it gets picked off. Like, why is he making those decisions? That's not a physical thing. It just seems like there's something mentally off, and his body language looks terrible on the field. He misses Belichick, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think he does. Um, I mean, Gronk had a big game for them, but I don't know. The Bucks only pulp their schedule here down the stretch since we're in, I mean, next week's week 13. We've got five games to go here. So these teams are going to have to start putting up or shutting up, Tyler. Well, actually, the Bucks are on a bye now, so they have four games left. And the rest of their schedule is very favorable. They come back. They played the Vikings at Atlanta, at Detroit, and then home versus Atlanta to finish the season. So it's set up for them to finish 11-5 and five and, and make the playoffs, and then we'll be able to see what they're really made of. Um, the, biggest, but, the biggest thing for them is, so right now they're the sixth seed. They need to get that five seed to play the NFC East team. Um, and I think also if they win out, which they should, they go 11-5 and five and they look good down the stretch in these four games, which they definitely can. Versus weaker weaker competition, they're going to be getting a ton of hype going into the playoffs um, mm-hmm. as a you know dark horse team. Brady getting it together, but they, if they don't play that five seed, play the, uh, the NFC East team, whoever that ends up being, and they have to play Green Bay or Seattle. I mean, I, I, I would love uh, the home team in that game, but I, I, I think Tampa will definitely get a lot of love if they go four zero down here. Yeah, I don't know about them versus the Packers. We'll see. We'll see what the Packers do tonight. But um, next game, let's talk about another uh, kind of wild early game. We previewed it. Bills, Chargers, you were on the right side of this one. I like the over. That died a bit in the second half. But the Bills took care of business here. They moved to 8-3. and three. The line was, I believe we previewed it at 5.5. It went down to 4.5. And, and this was just more the same with the Chargers, but almost... One of the craziest backdoor covers you'll ever see. They had fourth and 17. They complete a Hail Mary. Gets called back for offensive pass interference. It was like fourth and 12, whatever it was. Then it was fourth and 27. They complete a Hail Mary. Get it inside the 
probably the two-yard line, and they run the ball on first down, which is very Chargers. Um, they kill like 30 more seconds off the clock when you have one of the best young quarterbacks in the league and three top-tier weapons in Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. Um, and then they ultimately end up – then they threw an incomplete pass, and then they ultimately ended up getting stuffed on like a weird uh, QB sneak that just did not work at all from Buffalo's one. So what could have been a back-breaking loss for you, Tyler, in terms of uh, your record and our head-to-head wound up, you you hung on with the Bills there. But I, I, the the Chargers just weird ways to do these things week after week, um, and at least they stay on brand. It, w- it would have been a despicable loss if uh, the Chargers had scored a touchdown there, but they they just found a way to to mess it up, even though it seemed like they were going to pull a backdoor out of their ass. And, I mean, that whole sequence was so Chargers. Fourth and 17, like you said, the Hail Mary gets called back. They complete another one. And then uh, Warren Sharp pointed this out on the last play when Herbert tried sneaking it up the middle. Uh, the offensive line was, like, dropping back. They, they, weren't, the block, they weren't blocking. Yeah, they were blocking like it was a it was a pass play about Herbert trying to sneak up the middle. It just sums up that team. I mean, they're three and eight, and we've talked about it. They could be so much better. I think Anthony Lynn. This is definitely uh, his last year there. But this was, I thought this was a good win for the the Bills because yes, the Chargers' record stinks, but they they could be a lot better. And it's a pretty talented team, not a team you could take lightly at that record usually. Um, but I thought this was a good win for them because they didn't play great offensively. Allen was just all right, only 157 yards, touchdown, got picked off. They had three turnovers um, compared to the Chargers only having one, but they still won the game, um, and they won by double digits. So I thought it was a good win for them to be able to be a pretty quality team when their offense didn't have it all the way together. And we've seen their defense struggle a lot this year. Um, and, I mean, Herbert completes the 50-yard completion at the end game, so his stat line looks a little better than it was. But I thought they did a good job uh, containing them. But still, the Chargers would have sequences of just awful play calling. There's there's a sequence where they had a, a th- one. They were down 24 to 14. and or So they had second and two, and they ran it yeah twice, and they did a pitch play on third and one. They went for a loss of three, and they had to settle for a field goal. Just like so typical of them. Um, so I hope Anthony wins out of there soon. But overall, I thought it was a good one for the Bills. Yeah, I appreciate Warren Sharp's tweets. Every every week it feels like he's Anthony Lang, Lynn in his uh, crosshairs. Tweeted all caps. <laughs> the Chargers coaching staff is the dumbest I've ever seen in my life. And it, it is. It's week in, week out. They find new ways to uh, impress all of us. Um, what other games should we talk about here, Tyler? Let's, uh, let's talk about the Titans, Colts, and then we could take a quick break. Um, this was a game I knew we were on the wrong side of quick. Early. The Titans went down and scored. I was like, okay, you know, they have – they scored the first drive last time they played the Colts. Colts came down, tied it right back up. But then the next drive, the Titans had their typical long play touchdown, 69-yarder for A.J. Brown on a slant that he just took to the house. I was like, okay, we're done. Um, and as the game went on, I just felt so stupid because the Colts came off, you know, two weeks ago having a good win versus the Titans. Last week they won the crazy game against the Packers. All the momentum's riding their way, and uh, we, we didn't see that uh, coming into this game. And also no DeForest Buckner. I mean, that was the biggest loss of all for the Colts. Their defense clearly wasn't the same. Derrick Henry ran all over them. He had 178 yards. They had 230 as a team average five yards of carry, so 
without the Forest Buckner, it's a much different Colts defense, and we saw it today. Yeah, yeah, they definitely missed him. Um, these two teams, it's like you coin, you flip a coin every week, and you're probably going to be on the wrong side of them. But ultimately, it came down to time of possession, and the Titans were just able to control the ball uh, through the ground game. They had the ball for, what, let me see here, 35 minutes in this one. Philip Rivers, I mean, it just wasn't, he's not a quarterback that can play from behind, and they're down 34-14 at a point in this game. It's not a strong suit. Um, so good job by the Titans. They take care of business, I think line was three it went up a bit um i don't know i mean the titans are now eight and three i feel like they are i don't know i don't know i don't know like who if you have to choose one of these teams to go further in the afc playoff picture who do you take i feel like the titans will find a weird way to win at least one game where i I literally flip-flop on these teams week in week out i have no idea the titans and the colts right yeah yeah. Yeah, I mean, right now the Colts are the seven seed, and they play the Chiefs in the first round, which you don't want. Terrible matchup for them. Um, but I, I agree with you. I don't think Rivers consistently can bring them back, and um, I know Buckner should be back. Um, so the the defense should give them a chance, but I agree with you. The Titans just have that explosive element to their offense, and like I said, it could be AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Johnny Smith. Obviously, Derrick Henry is a beast. So. Their offense, when their offense plays like this, like we saw in the early yeah. part of the season, they could, like, I think they could compete with the Chiefs and the Steelers at the top of the AFC. They had six drives in the first half. Five of them went for touchdowns, and these weren't, you know, getting set up by turnovers. First drive was 75 yards, second was 75. They punted, then 65 yards, 86 yards, 44 yards, so a little short field there, but they have the capability to beat you in a lot of ways offensively, so. Their defense could be somewhat competitive uh, down the stretch. It gives them a shot. Um, you know, the Colts scored 12 points in the fourth quarter when the game was kind of over already, so their defense did play much better than the matchup a couple weeks ago. So Tennessee's defense can come on a bit. I think offensively, they just have guys that scare you if you're uh, the opposing team. Yeah, I mean, we hadn't really seen anything in a while from basically like week seven or so on to last week versus Baltimore until they were down 21-10 in that one and came storming back. Like, they'd been fairly quiet offensively, the team that we knew that got off to a 5-0 start, um, but it seems like they kind of hit their stride, and maybe that's a bit of a turning point for them last week that went over the Ravens. But we'll take a quick break, and then we'll get to our Lock of the Week recap. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your 
their account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Cody. Now let's move on to our locks of the week recap. We both won today, so cheers to us. Um, always great when we could uh, have a 2-0 week there. Um, let's start with mine because it was it was a wild week uh, for this game in general. So I had the under in the Saints-Broncos game. We recorded Wednesday before any of the news of the Broncos came out. The total at that point was 43.5 when the news broke that none of the Broncos quarterbacks could play in the game. It dropped to 36, and I think the spread dropped to the Saints – rose to 16. the Saints, 16-point favorites from 5.5. So absolutely wild out. Uh, Really once in a lifetime type game. Um, the Saints won easily, thirty-one to three. The under hit pretty easily. As far as the Saints game plan went, it's how I thought they would play. Irregardless, of the Broncos quarterback situation, they ran the ball forty-four times, only dropped back sixteen. Uh, but Denver, I mean, they had, they had more interceptions than completions. Yeah, I mean, they had one completion in the game. <laughs> this guy Kendall Hinton. He was, a few weeks ago, he was working a sales job. His last pass he threw was in 2018 as a dual quarterback wide receiver for Wake Forest against Clemson. Like, it's just insane that until literally yesterday, this guy was just kind of like, oh, cool, I'm on the practice squad. Like, probably cashing a nicer paycheck than he was in his sales job. And the next thing he knows, he's st- he's a starting quarterback versus the top seed in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints at home. So pretty crazy. I mean... He was a smaller guy. He completed the one pass, which, good for him, it's better than an offer, but it was tough. Anytime they flip that on, I kind of, on Sunday Ticket, you can set up the dual screens. I had that on one of them, but I just couldn't watch it after a while. Like, it was an, it was, it was was uh, amusing for a couple drives, and then I was like, this is so bad. Um, and the Saints took care of business. They, they did what they had to do. Um, but the Broncos single-handedly did try to make this over hit by having Kendall Hinton throw the ball at all. Anytime he threw the ball, it was kind of like, oh, could this be a pick six? Could this be a pick six? They set him up with some short field, and and the Saints kind of just slept walk to a victory here. But just a crazy turn of events. Uh, It's also kind of wild. It's taken until week 12 for one of these quarterback rooms to get hit by COVID. Like, you would think that, I don't know, that this would happen earlier, and maybe teams will take some, some kind of mitigation efforts even, I guess, in addition to mass, but having these guys, like, sit separately so you don't have this happen. Um, but just crazy. Very 2020, but pretty amusing. Definitely once in a lifetime. Well, I saw the Bills, like Jake Fromm. They have him practice separately, so if something was to happen that Josh right. Allen and Matt Barkley, he could play. Uh, the Eagles, I think, did something similar with McCown early in the year. But the reason the Broncos quarterbacks can play is just because they weren't wearing masks. Um I believe Driscoll, the quarterback, tested positive. Yeah, so other guys were high risk. The other quarterbacks were wearing masks. They would have been able to play. So, I mean, you could only blame them at that point um, just for not following the protocol. So, pretty wild. Hopefully everyone's okay there. 
But this was just a game of futility. I think I was probably one of the only people, not a Saints or Broncos fan, who watched this all the way through. I had it <laughs> 49ers. It was a horrible game. Um, NFL fact for you, this had the fewest combined completions, attempts, and pass yards in any first quarter this season. I tweeted it out after the first quarter. There were no points, uh, five throws, five dropbacks, and five punts in the first quarter. So it was a terrible game. It was perfect for my under, but... Like you said, the Broncos tried to make it a little interesting with Hinton throwing. He threw a pick. And then the Saints, all the Saints had to do was run the ball. Honestly, they probably could have been better off kneeling. It felt like Waterboy in the bowl game when the team they're playing starts kneeling the ball just to give it to Adam Sandler's uh, offense just because they couldn't do anything. Like I, I felt like the Saints, all they needed to do once they got up a little bit was kneel because the Broncos had no chance. Luckily, you know, uh, that didn't end up. Didn't end up uh, hurting me. Murray Murray had a good game, uh, 124 yards, two touchdowns. But this was this was a miserable game. Um, but I guess one we'll look back on in 10 years and laugh at. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will. Um, I tried teasing the Broncos in the under or the over, so it was over 30 and in 23 for the Broncos because I kind of thought they'd get one touchdown just based on doing Wildcat stuff. And they've got some decent running backs there, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. That couldn't have been more off, but what can you do? But both of our locks of the week were miserable games. I took the Dolphins 6.5 versus the Jets. The Jets got up 3 nothing early. Wasn't really nervous about it. The, the Dolphins went down. They scored. I was like, okay, here we go. This game was ugly, though. A couple of fumbles. Our boy Matt Breida, former 49er, who has moments where he looks great, and then he'll either fumble or get hurt. He fumbled in this instance. Uh, Patrick Laird fumbled. Set the Jets up a good field position a couple times. The Jets could just convert could not convert. They turned the ball over twice as well. Sam Darnold threw a terrible interception when they were in the Dolphins' uh, side of the field, running to the right, throwing back across his body directly to the Dolphins. There's not even a chance for the receiver. Uh, they missed a short field goal. So just a classic game for the Jets here. They had the ball two in Miami's territory in the second half. is fourth and one. They just do the most vanilla run play up the middle of Frank Gore. Um, he gets stuffed. The Dolphins' defense looked good, um, but I would say this is like a C-minus offensive performance from them, but it was still more than enough to get the job done and cover. Um, but this one I had to sweat a little more than I would have liked to. It was, it was right there on the table for the Jets taking. They just are way too incompetent to do it. And Sam Darnold's also... I just I feel bad for him, but he's also I don't know if it's the system or he's getting worse because he was not good at all today. Yeah, he he wasn't good. I mean, I have the Jets plus nine and some round robin uh, parlay, and for most of the game, I thought they would be able to cover, but their own incompetence, the fourth and one run play to Gore, it was just so bad. Why didn't they just kick the field goal there? Down ten at that point, kick the field goal. It's a one possession game. Um, but this, this was just a boring game. Um, and <laughs> so, Darnold, so boring. Both Darnold locks said, were terrible. Yeah, Darnold. Hey, they were winners. That's all that matters. Winners, yeah. Darnold said after the game, asked about the possibility of going 0-16. Darnold said no. I mean, we'll find one. I, I don't see that one, Sammy. I thought today they actually <laughs> had a chance. Um, the defense didn't play that bad, obviously, but next week they're home versus the Raiders, and I would think the Raiders are going to come in pretty motivated after they got – their butts kicked today versus Atlanta and need to kind of win to keep pace in the AFC. Then they go to, they play at Seattle, at the Rams, home Cleveland, at the Patriots. 
I'm sorry to say, I don't, I don't see uh, where they're getting that. Mm. And then also Adam Gase, on whether he's worried about getting fired in season, he said, no, I'm not going to be concerned about anything with that. Um, the Jets aren't firing him in season. They know what they're doing. They're tanking, getting the number one pick. Um, I think who's who's another team? Uh, the Jags. Jags. Jags have one win. That's pretty much it. That's it. it. That's it. Yeah, it's a, it's a two-man race for Trevor Lawrence, and the Jags are kind of feisty. Glennon. I mean, they only lost by two versus the the Browns. I had the Browns in a tease. They made me sweat that one out. They had to have that. Uh, they stopped them on the two-point conversion late in the game. Um, but I want to give a shout out to Frank Gore. He's like literally the him and Denzel. Denzel Mims actually looked decent, but uh, Frank Gore. He had 18 carries for 74 yards in this game. He had a couple receptions. And he actually looked good. Like, there were a few runs where he hit the hole, and I was like, oh, wow. And it was just his Frank Gore. It wasn't even, like, some young rookie there trotting out there. I'm happy Frank Gore is getting the run. But also, if you're an Owen 11 Jets team, why are you playing Frank Gore? Isn't there a practice squad guy or some young guy you want to maybe see if, if you have some potential with? Like, it feels like he should be, like, a third down back at this point. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, the Jets are so futile, and you mentioned the Jags. They fired their GM today. I would assume Doug Marone is going to get fired, too. Uh, kind of forget he's still there, but I assume he'll, he'll be uh, let go, and we'll have to go into a rebuild also. Those two teams stink, but and the Browns, we were talking about a little bit off-air. They're 8-3. and three, They're in the 5 seed. So looks like they're going to make the playoffs for the first time in a while, but they just continue to uninspire you with these wins. They have a minus 21-point differential for an 8-3 and three team. That is not a good sign. Comparatively, Baltimore, who's 6-4, and four, is a plus 73-point differential. So they've benefited from a weak schedule, and they've won the games they've had to. So uh, yeah. congrats to them, I guess. But that's a team that I'm looking forward to probably betting against in the playoffs. Um, let's finish up with our Grandpa Billy's Bums of the Week. Cody, I'll let you go first. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, uh, one quick thing on the Browns. Mayfield missed a receiver. I forget who it was. And over the middle on the slant, that was just so bad. Like, so, so bad. I saw you tweet out after the game how he has to be better, but at the end of the day, they're 8-3. and three. He's not wrong, but I don't know. It feels like his days may be numbered there unless he can right the ship somehow because they have all the pieces besides him. Uh, but back... To Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, I'm uh, setting my sights on Jared Goff, who I've had some some fun uh, tweeting about in the past. I think I think he gets a little bit too much credit for for what he is. Even a couple years back, you get any pressure on the guy, he crumbles. Um, but he had another two interception game today. Uh, no touchdowns. He's 19 to 31, 198. Sean McVay. I mean, this kind of like joint Jared Goff, Sean McVay. They've lost their last four to the 49ers. This is a 49ers team that's decimated. Ton of guys on the IR. They got some back finally with Debo, Mostert, Richard Sherman. But um, they gave Jared Goff the huge contract. You look at his numbers this year. And yeah, they're seven and four, but they're largely pedestrian again. Uh, Sixteen touchdowns, eight interceptions, and the bottom line is, it still feels like if you get any kind of pressure on this guy, he just can't get the job done. So he's my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. I just feel like McVeigh he gets a ton of love for being this offensive guru, and he is. I mean, they continue to put together winning teams, but it seems like they probably. If you if you had uh, Sean sat down with Sean McVay and you had a few cocktails in him, would he regret signing Jared off to that monster contract? I would suffice to say he probably does. 
Yeah, Goff is so weird because he could have, like, certain plays where he looks really good, and then the next, like, two plays he'll just completely miss guys. Like, I I don't think there's anyone else who's that erratic. Like, a guy, you know, like Derek Carr, like, week to week he'll be pretty erratic, but it feels like Goff just certain plays within the game he's so bad. He had three turnovers today, was never really comfortable. The 49ers defense was I thought they were awesome today and kind of resembling of what they were last year. Kept them in that game. Nick Mullins wasn't much better on the other side. Um, so their defense played great, but Goff is just so inconsistent. And you always hear them talk about McVeigh, how he's frustrated. You know, just feels like there's some limitation on the offense that they're not executing enough. And that's, that's Goff, frankly. Um, he's just way too inconsistent. He's not sharp enough. And this was a game today that, you know, the 49ers offense really didn't do anything, and Goff had a ton of chances to kind of get the Rams, you know, the win here, and he couldn't. And now if Seattle wins tomorrow, right, they're they're in a first place in the NFC West. So feels like Goff's inconsistency is going to be the bane of this team because their defense is legit. Aaron Donald just felt like he went into, like, superstar mode and Madden in the third quarter, fourth quarter of this game and started wrecking havoc. <laughs> Um, so their defense is this is Super Bowl quality defense, but and they have good weapons, but it's just it comes down to golf. And so this like, yeah. and the final score is closer than it actually was. Like the 49ers gifted a touchdown late in this game to the Rams on the fumble that they yeah, took but, to the house. Yeah, but the I mean you could say the same thing about the Ram, or the 49ers getting a defensive touchdown too, right? Sure, sure. I'm saying in terms of, but that was on Goff. My point is being this Rams offense did nothing against the 49ers team with Nick Mullins where you know that you're probably going to have a good shot of ha- being able to control time and possession and things like that, but 49ers had the ball 34 minutes. Um, so it seems like, I mean, Shanahan's got, uh, he owns McVay right now. I, I love it. There's definitely some sort of, beef between those two guys. They were on the same staff uh, in Washington, but I think there's a little competitiveness there, which obviously there would be, but I think there's a little disdain for the other guy, and you could tell the 49ers were really juiced up uh, to play this game. Coming, Were they off a bye? 49ers, yeah. I, it, it feels like they haven't... I, I can't remember. You okay? Uh, yeah. feels like they haven't played is it, in a while. Is it the time zone going back from east to central? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, I'm okay, but it, it, it makes sense off a bike because it feels like the 49ers haven't played in a while, but they're super juiced up, and you know they're only in game back now of Arizona in the standings. There's a couple teams in between them, but if they win next week versus the Bills, it, it certainly starts to get interesting. And for the 49ers, I mentioned how Goff is so like inconsistent play between play. The 49ers as a team, I'm like, do I want them to lose this game and tank to try to get a quarterback? Or do I want them to win and try to, like, maybe get into the playoffs and who knows what happens and just getting into the playoffs in the NFL is always a good accomplishment. Like, Mullins was so bad today. I thought he was equally as bad as Goff. He just made a couple plays. Oh, he's, 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 he's miserable. He's absolutely miserable. But I think uh, the bottom line is I, I checked the schedule from here on out. And then the next play, I think Moser fumbled and the Rams returned it for a touchdown. I was like, okay, that's what I get for doing that. But, yeah, I found myself going into this game. I was like, I feel like the 49ers are going to beat the Rams. I want them to beat the Rams, division rival. don't really like McVay. Um, and and I was happy. And now it's like, oh, okay, I got a shot with five to go. Why not? The NFC 
is so wide open. I think that's piece of it where it's like, well, Jimmy G's coming back potentially. Kittle's coming back potentially. Ayuk will be back off COVID. And this is the healthiest healthiest they've been since like week one. Um, so why not us? Yeah, they could have a shot. When, when we start to get excited, that's when they rip our hearts out. So Correct. They'll lose they play, on Monday Night Football. They play the Bills on Monday night, and who knows where that game's going to even be. It looks like they might have to play in Arizona, maybe San Diego, which I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's a good wrench to throw in for, for a team. I'd have to find somewhere else to play, but we'll see. Um, my grandpa Billy's bum of the week, going back to Thanksgiving, going back to the Washington-Dallas game, Mike McCarthy, um, one of the worst play called decisions, whatever you want to call it. I've ever seen the fake punt on fourth down in the fourth quarter. The game was still close. It's twenty to sixteen in their own red in their own uh, area. They don't get it. Then they set up the Washington basically in the red zone on the twenty three. They score the next play, and then the game kind of was never close from there. One of the worst fake punts I've ever seen is also on a fourth and ten too. So. Yeah, what was the score at that point? It was 2017? Yeah, it's 20 to 16. They get stopped. Washington scores. Dallas punts. Washington scores again, and they get the pick six. Like, it all snowballed really quickly. Washington outscored them 21 nothing in that fourth quarter. And this game just represented what the Cowboys are. They played a team that they were probably better than, that they had more talent than, but Washington is the better coach team. They make less mistakes, and it, you know, Happened in the fourth quarter where the Cowboys fall apart because of bad coaching and bad mistakes. So the Dallas team continues to just suck. Um, and we talked about in the pick and pot. I was like, everyone is riding high on the Cowboys after they beat the Vikings. That's when you fade them. So that was one time uh, we were right. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the thing with the Cowboys, it's in that fake punt specifically. If you're a midfield, I don't have a problem being aggressive. But when you're back in your own territory like that, and specifically the call itself, a reverse, like a fake punt reverse, is such a slow developing thing. Like it's just not gonna, it's just not gonna work. There's no way. Yeah, it has to be like a quick hitter type play to catch the defense off. Like yeah, when they for did ten their yards. Yeah, when they did their reverse. Well, it's even more than that, right? Because yeah, it's like twenty. Um. When they, uh... What's going on there? <laughs> Packers, Bears, the two... Yeah, he, he just... He just... Cole Komet just bubbled into the end zone. Oh, you hate to see that. Um, but what was I going to say? Yeah, it's, it's a long play. on A fake punt on fourth and ten, so you need to be quick hitting. And they started to do the reverse, and it's like, ooh, what is this? And then it was like a double. Um, it, was, it was just terrible. The Cowboys continued to be an abomination. And can we, like, get a rule to change that Cowboys and Lions don't plan Thanksgiving moving forward? Yeah, I saw someone tweet it out. It's like, this is what the NFL slate would be like if it was set up as the NBA on Christmas, where the NBA just puts the best teams out there, the most interesting matchups. I don't I don't know why that's... I mean, maybe they for the same stat you threw out there, the Lions have won a playoff game, where they've won one playoff game since 1958. They're like, we need to give this fan base something, and they just know they'll get good ratings with the Cowboys. I don't know, but I'm sick of it. Like, it would be awesome to have Patrick Mahomes at, like, 4.30 on Thanksgiving. Yeah, at least, like, they added the third game, right, at night, which is usually a good game. Yeah. Obviously, this year got canceled, and at least the Cowboys are, like, they are expected to be good this year, and they're always going to draw ratings. But the Lions are just – they suck every year. And even when they are somewhat decent, no one like cares about them anyway. So at least get the Lions off. 
Um, but I, I agree them. The NFL should look into some sort of more NBA style where they're putting these premier games on, but maybe they care about, you know, family time and don't want to put on good games. Yeah, they prioritize it. That's nice. Um, oh, before we sign off, IU back in the top 10. So you get a minute, 15 seconds for next week. And this whole Ohio State thing, we're potentially going to a Big Ten championship game. Any yeah. thoughts on that before we sign off? It could happen, you know. I don't root for Ohio State's games to be canceled. I hope, you know, no one falls ill, you know, with all this stuff going on. So you don't root for that. But if it breaks that way, I'm not complaining. Um, Michael Penix, do we know? My bigger concern is Penix. He got hurt in this game. I don't think it looked that bad. And I, I feel like if it probably jinxing it. But I feel like if it was worse, we would have known already if he was, you know, severely hurt. <laughs> Um, this, I guess might we'll, not, this might not age well. We'll find out tomorrow. Like, <laughs> I, if he, like, if they said he's out of game, I wouldn't be shocked. But I don't think it's like a season-ending thing. Is more so my point. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it, not. He walked. He like ultimately walked off, which I think is a good sign. Yeah, and it, it didn't look that bad. I, he's just a brittle guy, which is a huge red flag for him. But um, we'll see. And I think what's special about this IU team is the offense was playing terrible in this game anyway. They got it going a little bit in the second half, but they weren't relying on Penix in the offense to carry them in this game. You know, the defense played great. I don't know if they'll be able to do that versus Wisconsin next week, but defense is capable of keeping them in games and Tuttle, if he has to play the backup, if he could just be like 75% of what Peyton Ramsey was last year, I think we have a chance. Um, That's how good the defense is. So that's a positive note, but, yeah, we'll, we'll find out more about Penix on uh, Monday, so hopefully this doesn't age poorly. 